Football is life. Welcome everybody to episode 66. I am Nan Maymunis alongside Matt Powell. Hello, hello. And Ethan Cooney. Hey, what's going on everybody? What's going on is I am fucking pissed off. Yesterday was a fucking terrible day of soccer, and the the U.S. is out of the Gold Cup. The refereeing was absolutely disgraceful. We're going to get into all of it. Let's We're going to go right into the Gold Cup. U.S. out of the Gold Cup, the C team, CB team, whatever you're going to call it, bounced against Panama. Panama makes it to the final for the first time in like 10 years. Uh, last time they did that 2013. Uh, and I don't know where, I don't know where to start, but Matt, Matt, initial reactions to the U S getting eliminated in a penalty uh, shootout. Mean... I mean, yeah, they're lucky to make it to a penalty shootout. They got outplayed. A couple calls went their way. And it wasn't like a deserved win for the United States. So Panama deserved a win. I'm happy Godoy is going to the final. Um, And based on the performances we've seen that this team put up against quality competition, not even quality competition, but quality of the likes of Jamaica, Canada, and Panama, um, none of these players are even close to A-team ready. If they were, they would have made an impact. I think there's a couple people that had promising moments, but there's there's nothing on this team. B.J. Callahan at the top all the way to um, Aiden Morris at the bottom that was impressive enough to make a case for themselves uh, to continue on um, and get 18 minutes. Well, I mean... Uh... Just on that last thought, I'm compelled to mention James Sands, you know, totally unbiased, but I feel like he had a pretty great tournament. Uh, it was one of the more consistent players on the team, and I feel like he put in a really great showing for some 18 minutes. You never know. And I think some people would argue Jesus Ferreira as well kind of proved that he deserves more 18 minutes, but I don't know. He's probably going to get them anyway because of Greg Guga. So, who knows? I I think Sands had a good tournament um, compared to everyone else, but the total <laughs> like lack of creativity going forward against these teams that the U.S. should be beating, like, uh, I mean, but I think it's Cowell, Sands, and Reynolds were the only people who like did anything positive for their mm. perception with USMNT fans. Um. I don't. I think we should literally ignore the two games that we won six zero. Those are not the quality teams we'll be playing <laughs> in in twenty twenty six or in the Copa America. So we should ignore them, and then we should focus on the tie against Jamaica, the tie against Canada, and the tie against Panama, where we were uninspiring going forward. And can, and Panama dominated us in possession, like that cannot happen. Yeah, Panama kind of schooled us. Not gonna lie, with Godoy at the middle of it, captaining the team. How good is he? <laughs> I'll go to Schaffelberg. <laughs> that was my favorite. When Schaffelberg scored, you texted us like, ah, damn. How good is Schaffelberg? <laughs> that was a lot of fun to watch. I, me and my brother were like conflicted. We like semi-celebrated, semi-didn't. We had no idea what to think. The only good, the only player I believe who helped their stock this tournament is James Sands. That's Hold it. Oh. I I I don't think you you shut up right now, Ethan. All right, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to we'll go to we'll go to Rodon first. You were gonna say James Sands. I would have let you. I would have let you talk nice about James Sands if I had known that was gonna happen. This is the problem with USMNT fans. USMNT fans are so damn toxic. Because Rodon Whoa. was not Rodon was not the worst player in this game against Panama. And yes, it comes down to him missing a penalty 
And that was absolutely devastating for me. Like I, when he stepped up, I was so nervous. And I was like, if he, like, if he misses it, I'm going to have to hear about this for so (laughs) long. But he was not the worst player on the field. And when he first came in, when him and DeAndre Yellen, another sounder, come into the game, Uh. immediately, the game actually started. Like, I would have preferred if the, if the U.S. told me this game was going to start 60 minutes in because then I would have – because I wasted <laughs> an hour of my life watching this game because this was a terrible game of soccer. We looked terrible, and it didn't change until Christian Rodon and Yenning came in. Immediately when they come on, who do they give a good chance to? It's yet, it is Rodon to Yenning to Jesus Ferreira, who played – terrible missed two clear chances in this one and then we add on to who shoots for who shoots first in the penalty shootout jesus ferreira and he takes a terrible penalty absolutely disgraceful from jesus ferreira he was the he was so bad uh and it's just like rodon is not the worst player on this so any response that's like, and any comment that I've seen that's like, Rodon should never, uh, should never be in a U.S. shirt again. Like you know nothing about soccer. That's just facts on Rodon. I think Rodon is okay. Rodon was not the worst player. Um, yeah, that's the politician answer. That's the right way to say it. Rodon was not the worst player. Yes. Ferrer was horrible. Um, Ferrer can't play <laughs> against good competition. I'm pretty sure he mishits his goal too. I think it like hits off his shin and like barely goes in. Like it's not it that good. It did kind of look like that. So I like it. There's nothing compelling from Ferreira. Vasquez had one of his worst games I've seen, uh, which was oh, disappointing. Cowell yeah. um, was silent, um, even becoming predictable and turning the ball over several times. There's there's nothing here that was exciting, uh, and you have to be Panama if you want to be trying to win the whole thing in 2026. So, I I think in I general, Brendan Brendan Vasquez had a really bad tournament. Like, yes, he scores, yes, he scores a goal um, against Canada. Um, he scores the opener in that, but I thought he was really bad this entire tournament he missed a lot of chances i didn't think his like hold up play was very good um that being said well i thought his play play was bad like uh like this little random but i do thought like he looked harder than ever this tournament like i thought his his play on the like usually it's flipped i think he's good no, yeah, physically. Like <laughs> okay. I was like, damn, Brendan Brendan Vasquez is actually hunky, but besides <laughs> that, his play was bad. His he looked episode. Soccer Ken? <laughs> is he soccer Ken? Honestly, maybe. I think but, he's does he have the Kenergy though? What did Ryan Gosling say recently? He's the Kenergizer bunny. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not I did not hear that. Um <laughs> let's, so you Matt, you said that we should take the two uh six zero the games against the Caribbean out of this. Um and I, I completely agree. Like in the games against actual opponents, we like we never played well in this tournament. Like didn't deserve to win. Didn't deserve to tie Jamaica. We we didn't we didn't beat Canada. We tied Canada. Like Canada had deserved to win. Like Canada has to hold on after Schaffelberg uh, scored. Um, who scored? Late extra time. Schaffelberger. I forgot who scored the second goal. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was, yeah. <laughs> what okay. a goal it was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> after you after you promised to tell him that he'd take it easy. Yeah, I told him to calm down, but I it's think true. he didn't get my text message till after the game. 
Shavelberg is actually so pretty accessible in the Nashville community. Like whenever, whenever um, there's like a meet and greet, Shaffelberg is usually there. It's like Shaffelberg, Lovitz, Taylor Washington, who are always like, they're the easiest ones to meet if you keep track of Nashville on social media. Did you imagine if if you really did text him and then after the game he was like, ah, my bad, I didn't see your text. I'm sorry. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Like, he would have calmed down if he saw your text. He puts Miazga in a blender. <laughs> I think it really annoys me. should never me. be on the... Miazga and, and Long should both be done with the USMNT. Oh, my God, out. dude. What is Aaron Long doing existing <laughs> on this roster? I was about to... So... so many players in over him. <laughs> Seriously, man. So I was about to... I was about to defend B.J. Callahan, and I still will sort of defend B.J. Callahan because he said after this game against Panama that it was his fault. And I actually don't think it's his fault because I think he played he played the best. He played a good lineup for this game. Not with Aaron um, Long in it. Except for Aaron Long. I, I think that <laughs> with with Neil being injured, he should have – started Miazga because even though Miazga hasn't been great, Miazga has been better than Aaron Long uh, this tournament. That was definitely a mistake, but makes the decision to, uh, but he doesn't start Zendayas and maybe he's in a little injured, but Zendayas really, really terrible this tournament. Um, yeah. Didn't help his he case. Was smart not to start. All. He was, he like did not, take advantage of a single chance he got this entire tournament yeah he looked way out of his depth uh, and i'll actually challenge the idea that bj callahan wasn't at fault um i'll let you get your piece in after i say this but bj callahan may have played close to his best 11 but we like forfeited the middle of the field to a team that liked to like they enjoyed having the time to play those through balls that they thought could beat us and we just conceded the middle of the field by pushing Busio out wide and playing with like almost like a front four at times. I don't, I think tactically it was pretty gross from Callahan. And then the failure to like recognize that and then like reclaim the middle of the field by like shifting Busio and Ferrer inside and keeping them both outside. I didn't, I, I did not like, I think the 11 was fine. I think tactically it was pretty, pretty uh, unimpressive from Callahan. The, re- the reason you can't, blame Callahan is because all the blame for this tournament has to go towards U.S. soccer and Greg Berhalter. I don't know how involved they were with picking the team, but again, it feels like a team that Greg Berhalter picked and U.S. soccer decided that this tournament was meaningless and worthless and that and we have to blame them for that because we got literally nothing out of this tournament. We already know how all these players, most of these players are going to play. As we said, the only players that helped their stats that that like helped boost themselves are James Sands and maybe Kate Cowell. But Kate Cowell is still he's super young. He's he's not really first team. He's he still has a lot of team a lot of room to grow. Like he will probably be playing with the under 23s um, at the Olympics um, moving forward before more stuff with the, with the first team because of how much depth we have at his position, but it would have been so much better for the U S to call in uh, a mix of players who had just succeeded at the U 20 world cup and at the U 23 and players who are on the under 23 team who will be going to the Olympics um, in Paris, we treat the, and we give them first team. We give them more first team moment minutes. Um, That is a better way to enhance, to advance the program because we didn't learn. We really didn't learn anything new about, about what we're saying. We like that would have been better than pulling in only MOS players. And again, like 
Greg Berhalter should be with this team. He is the coach of the national team. He should be at all these games. Just disgraceful from U.S. soccer for how they, they treated this tournament. I mean, and like, if this is how U.S. soccer is going to get it, then it's partially also on CONCACAF because they should not. This tournament is just useless if teams are not going to bring their. There's no point in having this tournament be a first team tournament if none of the teams are going to bring their first team. I mean, Mexico, Panama, all these teams bring their first team. I don't mind the U.S. not bringing their first team, but um, I do think that if it's not their first team, it has to be younger. Like, there's no reason for older players to be here uh, that aren't, like, in the first team. There aren't. There really isn't a reason for older players to be here if you're not trying to go win everything. So I don't know what, like, Jordan Morris is doing here not to pick him out. He's just the first that came to mind. Um, but like the, like the Olympics, uh, you can, you can prep like an Olympic team. You could have a focus on U23. I saw someone um, throw that idea out there. So I don't hate the idea of a young team or a team that's not built to win it, but I do hate the idea of a team that's not built to win it and also not incredibly young and like basically like a chance to like scout these players. Adding on to Jordan Morris, the hate for Jordan Morris, again, is insane. Jordan Morris, in the last two games, comes in, played very well, gets two assists, gets the assist to tie it up against Canada, and then gets the assist um, over to Jesus Ferreira before Jesus Ferreira scored against Panama. Uh, and then he also converts his penalty on Jesus Ferreira. Any thoughts on on um on uh the on the field itself for this uh Panama game? Uh I thought it was do you guys think uh the fact that the US had one day less of rest and this game kicked off at four thirty local time played an impact um into the game? No, that sounds like an excuse to me. I mean I'm sure it played an impact. I'm sure it was really hot out, I'm sure it was tough, but they got water breaks. Um, they got their little orange slices. So this team should be ready to play with Panama. Like, not to disrespect Panama, but I mean, we got to be winning these tournaments pretty easily at this point. I'm sure it played a factor, but yeah. not, not, it's not a big deal. Yes, the bottom line is that we were very much outplayed in Panama. I mean, if it's not for offsides, then Panama would have had the lead multiple times and even with that they should have scored um uh, before they ultimately did uh all right guys who is winning the gold cup uh mexico or panama the final after mexico steamrolls past uh jamaica who's gonna win the obvious choice is mexico um but i'm rooting for panama I, I think, you know, if I'm if I had to bet on it, I'd choose Mexico. But let's go Godoy. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Panama. They're more exciting for me. Mexico finally playing with hope. Or they've actually I feel like this is the best that they've looked in, since before the pandemic. Like twenty nineteen was the last time they looked this good. Um so I will be shocked if Mexico doesn't win the tournament. But again, like literally no one is going to care about this tournament. Uh is the like uh after this year. Like it just means nothing because the US has shown that our A team is still better the is better than all the other A teams right now. Uh I mean, the only thing that it does show is that the U.S.'s B, the B team cannot beat other A teams. That's what that that also is what it showed. We are not, while our A team is miles above everyone in the region, our B team is not. But after this, like, no one will remember this. 
Uh, all right. Let's move past the Gold Cup and into uh, matches 22 and 23 for our clubs in MLS regular season play. Let's start off with Nashville, who went to Chicago. Matt, how did this happen? How did Chicago win? Um. Well, I'll just I'll just tackle both games at once. They're they're pretty unpleasant games as a Nashville fan. Um, Nashville after these two games, which they lost both of them, um, one away in Chicago, one zero, and one at home against Philadelphia by two two zero. Um, they have picked up three points out of their last fifteen available. They're in a horrible run of form. Um, they get two red cards against Philadelphia and that leaves them without both of their wingbacks against Cincinnati. Um, and the last two games against Chicago and Philadelphia have been some of the most frustrating of my entire um, time as a Nashville fan, because both of these games, Nashville wins the XG battle. They win the eye test. They win everything besides the final score. And it was really unpleasant to watch because um, the obvious issue is that they don't have a true number nine, someone to turn the XG into real G to, you know, actually score the goals and to see Timu Puki and Chicho Arango score for their respective clubs because their clubs operated competently and brought in the players that they needed. Um, on the on July 5th, on the date of the transfer window, and see Nashville, who's still operating with Teal Bunbury, Luke Hawkinson, and Ethan Zubek. Like, this is not a competent striker group. And so it's it, if we had brought someone in on July 5th, we would not be in this run of form. Very simply, Teal misses the most blatant and easy one-on-one with the keeper in this game in like the 12th minute. And like who knows what happens if he scores that. So yeah, it's frustrating to see because if we brought in whoever our DP nine is going to be, I hope we get one at this point. But if we brought him in on July 5th, then I don't think this would be Nashville's form. And I think they'd still be in the supporters shield race, which at this moment they are not. Cincinnati are gonna win that by like at least 10 points, I think. Yeah, starting off with with like Nashville um and not bringing in a, a forward. Uh it's weird looking back now that they released Ake Loba when they did. Um I thought when they did that that meant that they more had a plan involved. Um and that there would be a signing before the actual uh time that they're allowed to play July 5th. Um so the fact that they still don't have someone is surprising. Um and yeah, I mean you pointed out Chicho Arango, who great signing for RSL. He's been training with uh RSL for like a month before that game, um, and scores minutes into uh his debut. Uh still had his green card from when he was at LAFC. That's partly why the transfer was so easy. Uh but this game, this game against Philadelphia, the second game that they lost 2-0 at home, yeah, Nashville had tons of chances, an insane amount of clearances off the line and hitting the crossbar and hitting the post. Um, and yeah, with that being, a, yeah. There's a series yeah. in this one that looks straight out of FIFA. Like, it's just yes. horrible to watch as a Nashville fan. It comes off like, the post, it's like I think it's a cross, and then Fafa sends it off the post. It comes back, and there's a shot by Zimmerman, it's... I think, that barely gets saved, and then it comes over, and then a Philadelphia player saves it with his hand, but it's definitely on his body, it's his so head. it's definitely not a handball, yeah. and I'm not asking for a handball. It's just like a wild, wild series of events. I also think there was a Philadelphia handball on this one that they called a PK, and they looked back, and they said it wasn't in an unnatural position. My issue with that one is that he um, 
is that if his hand isn't where it is, then he doesn't block the ball. So yeah, oh, hold he blocks on, hold the on. ball. Hold on. We're, we're going to get to, we're going to get to the handball. We're going to get to the handball things in a second, but to on, on that sequence that you were talking about with Fafa Pico, which, which ends with Fafa Pico, who's literally like three yards away, somehow puts it wide to the right, which I threw like five bodies, which I don't understand at all. But both, but before we talk about referees absolutely fucking themselves, just doing terrible this whole weekend, uh, we, I, we have to say that the penalty calls that were given in this game were 100% correct. And I don't know what both of them were given uh, away by by Lovitz. Yeah, correct. They're it's horrible decisions on two. his part. Neither of them, neither of them are, are dangerous spots. Particularly, I have no idea why he makes either of these decisions. He gets two yellow cards. He ends up with a red card. This is a Daniel Lovitz disaster class. This is the worst and game I- I've seen him play in a yellow uniform. I cannot even believe the game he had. But that's he just like gets, the form Nashville's on. When you're on the when you're on this kind of form, this kind of stuff happens. He gets up after the second one and starts arguing, bro. What are you doing? The first one, he clearly pushes the Philadelphia player in the back, and I don't think there's no any reason. way you. I don't think there's any way that you can say it's a dive. Um, I mean, he does. Lovitz does head the ball, so it's not completely for. No reason. Like he's trying to challenge the ball. Like the ball is in the area, but still, it's a yeah, two hand. Need push. to be a two hand show yeah. on someone's back where you fully towards, like throw him into your own bar. Like yeah, I don't towards even know the what that was. towards the post, towards the post. Like that. This is why if anyone says this is a dive, it's not a dive. The Philadelphia player comes very close to like cracking his head open on the goalpost. Like that could have been really, really bad. Um, of an injury, and then the second one completely misses the ball. There is the ball is going out of bounds. There is no, or I guess the they do actually. Well, it's getting, no, it's getting crossed. Philadelphia gets the it got it gets crossed. It gets crossed. It's a good play by the Philadelphia player, but it's a terrible but play by gone. Lovitz. Yeah, the ball's gone, and it's not that dangerous. And Lovitz puts He's, in a late challenge for no reason. He scissors him. Like, he scissors him yeah. on this play. Yeah. I, I, you're not going to, by the way, you're not going to find like a group yeah. of Nashville players that complain about those two decisions in this game. Those, I mean, I mean, clearly we're wrong. We see it. There's Nashville players who, after this penalty goes in, like something, some Nashville supporter threw something. Or I guess maybe Matt will say that's not actually a Nashville supporter. But no, 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 something... no. I'm not some conspiracy theorist. Yeah. This was a Nashville supporter, but like, like I'm saying, oh, that well, uh, well, well, obviously it was a Nashville supporter, but it's not a real Nashville supporter oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because Nashville supporters have more class than to throw something at Philadelphia, which is like it is like Philadelphia. Like, I, I'm not going to say that Philadelphia didn't deserve to win this game because this was a very 50 50 game. Like, Nashville did it. I wouldn't say not that Nashville. Even not even close. I disagree with that strongly. Nashville yeah. could have had four goals. They had three point one six xG before Philadelphia got their second PK. Like, like this Nashville, based on the play on the field and not the goals that were scored, deserved to win because the chances Philadelphia scored on were not dangerous chances. They scored on two horrible PK giveaways. They're not. They weren't like guaranteed goals without the fouls, without the two silly decisions from Lovitz, without the inexplainable misses from Fafa and Teal Bunbury. Like this game could have been wrapped up two, three, zero Nashville's way. It's just horrible last second decision-making defensively from Lovitz and forward by Teal Bunbury. We, we also saw that we also saw Shaq Moore get sent off uh, in this game uh, along with Carranza. I actually think that Carranza maybe should have gotten a yellow card because Shaq Moore completely starts this fight um, against Carranza. At well, the Carranza end. touches his neck, though. Like, uh, it's, yeah, it's but Carranza's, yeah, it's, but, this but is Carranza's trying to get him off. I mean, like, no. I'm fine with the red card. He's, he has him in it. Like, Carranza, it does grab him, but he he's 
He's pushing him off Karan to get away. And I can't... No, Whatever, that was, it was right? it was more. It was Jack more starts who starts it. this. Yeah, Shaq it's starts more. It. Shaq more and it starts this. No, like no doubt, he loses his cool and just like hugs yeah. Karan's violent. But Karan's totally comes back at him. Yeah, like it's it's. And I, honestly, I'm gonna we look. We all like fair play on this show, but I'll send out a little thank you to Shaq Moore there because now NYCFC doesn't have to play against Carranza this weekend. So shout out to Shaq Moore for that. Thanks, Shaq. I will say that Shaq accepts his red card very gracefully and just walks off the pitch. Carranza will have a yeah, fine and for the amount of time not. he spent. And he his hands are on his neck, and I he like. You could argue that he didn't I mean, it's, a, it's a headlock. It's a headlock. Yeah. The rules it's are not, just very clear yeah. about that. I don't think it's complicated. Yeah. Um, obviously, Carranza doesn't start it. I'm not going to pretend that that's what happened. But but the rules are not – they're not subtle yeah. about what this if is. You, if you boop a player on the nose, it's a red card. Like, you can't – you just can't touch people's face. Yeah, this, this uh, was a frustrating one as a Nashville fan, start to finish. Like, it's, it's just hard to – these last two games have been the most frustrating games of the season. And the fact that they're back-to-back does not help. <laughs> and that's that's two in a row. That's two in a that, that's two games at Geotis um that have been losses. No, they beat they they're they won the last before. one against DC. Two now oh, yeah, the layout right. brace. Yeah, yes, when they scored two the two good goals. Making Miller look bad. Um, okay, so we talked about how the the times where in this game the refereeing was correct. Um, I also agree that uh, Nashville should have had a penalty. I we well, it's where it's pretty consistent in MLS that if it touches your body before it touches the handball, it uh, it touches the hand or the arm. Then, then it's not a penalty. I mean, like, it's it's over fifty percent that they call that no penalty. They call it no handball. Um, but still, like, it's it's not it's not. They don't do that ninety percent of the time. It's still just a little bit. Um, the majority. But the, he gains a clear advantage. From his arm, uh, from the ball hitting his arm on this play. And while his arm is close, it is still making himself bigger. If it's not there, the ball is going through towards the center of the goal. This one is not as bad as the one that happened in the Sounders game, where the ball comes off the San Jose player's knee chest area. And then his arm is completely stretched out and it hits his arm straight in the middle. If his arm isn't there, it's going to Roy Diaz. This is a penalty. I want it. I don't want the rule to be if it touches the body and it hits the hand, then it's not a penalty. If it hits the hand, no matter what, it's a penalty. It is a penalty. It is a handball. It is a handball if it hits the hand. I feel sometimes it's going to be annoying, but calling it every time is better. I It's just a rule. I think of like strategy card games. Sometimes there's like rules. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever played Dominion or, or, um, or, Games like that, where there's like extra power ups or stuff, or like there's just extra rules where someone will play something on you. It's annoying, but it's a rule. And this, these handballs, if it hits the hand, it either for handballs, it either does or does not hit the handball. It does not hit someone's hand. And if it does, it's a handball. Matt, thoughts? Yeah, Nashville should have been awarded a penalty, and that would have tied the game at 1 1. And from there, I think Nashville win because of the run of play and where it was going. And it should be called. 
If, and here's the thing. If your hand gets in the way of something and creates an advantage, then it's a handball. Like, it's not more complicated than that. There's no natural position. I mean, if it's hugged to your body and it would have hit your chest, that's one thing. But yes. if your hand is the only thing that stops the ball from moving in a direction and stopping the ball from moving in that direction creates an advantage, it is a handball. Like, the, this yes. is not is not a complicated rule. I don't know how handball law has gotten so convoluted and complicated and how like it can hit your hand and not be a handball and like and you're I, like i just i just don't even know how we've gotten to this point where we've just convoluted this rule so much where it's like entirely unclear what what a handball is it's, so much is left up to judgment that it's just it's it's it, this was and then combined with like this type of game and the final score of this game and the final result of this game and the last two games oh my god was this a hard one to cope with uh as a viewer but yeah i that's that's my version of a rant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in so everyone knows in soccer, in soccer you play with your feet, not your hands. If it touches your hand, it's a handball. The other team gets a free kick. If it's in the box, that's a penalty kick. With with that being said, like as Matt said, like if your hand is literally against your against your chest. The ball is not going to go through your body, so that's not a handball. That's the that's like the only time, like if there's literally no way else the ball would have passed through you. Um, if it was gonna like hit your head, if if it was gonna hit your face, too. Um, but like, there shouldn't be any of this. Like, even if it's annoying, if like someone dis, if someone makes a good, if your hand is out and uh player with a lot of skill recognizes that and kicks the ball into your hand. That's annoying, but that's just part of the game. That that is them being a skillful player. Um did for the San Jose uh call, it took two uh it took like 2 minutes for them to recce to go to VAR to look at this. And then it was another two minutes of the VAR of the referee looking at the monitor. Now, I've talked a lot about that this is too long. And clearly, like, if he's looking at it for that long, it's not clear and obvious. That being said, it is so remarkably clear and obvious that I do not understand how he doesn't change it. His hand is completely outstretched. And Rauro Diaz, if his hand isn't good, isn't in the way, is going to have a chance at goal. This is a penalty kick. And the referee for I don't know how the referee looks at this for so long and does nothing is insane or cannot see that is terrible. I hope this changes. Right now, I want to also point out that in that Nashville game, the VAR was Daniel Radford, um, who is in it, he's most famous for being the referee who was on the field during the game when uh Lynn Dempsey tore up the referee's notebook, um, and that game when he made terrible decisions. So we know that guy's a VAR. Don't know who the VAR is for the San Jose game, but absolutely disgraceful for that game. Um, Just terrible. Rest of the San Jose game, depressing. Um, Let's let's move on to the Sounders' other game, which was versus Vancouver. Um, Sounders go to Vancouver and... After training um, twice in the game, Leo Chu scored twice, um, both assists coming from Jackson Reagan. Um, this would, with Leo Chu um, scoring both of these goals, um, he won player of the match day, had the best um, uh, goal, goals uh expected goals uh for the entire weekend after after this um which hard for me to sometimes um prop up uh, Leo Chu since I've hated on him a lot 
but uh, he played great in this game. And then it came down to uh, Yamar, the unlikely of goal scorers, finds the winner um, in this game after uh, Vancouver dove down to um, uh, 10 men uh, after two yellow cards. Um, so, and after the Vancouver game, uh, Sounders uh, went, moved all the way up to three in the power rankings. So, guys, uh, obviously we lost to San Jose, but uh, where do you think the Sounders play is right now? Obviously, we were hard done. The goal um, in the San Jose game, we were hard done. We should have gotten a penalty. Um and their first goal was a penalty. Their second goal, I'm not going to argue that. That was an amazing goal um, by San Jose. Uh, that could win goal of, the, goal of the year. Absolutely incredible hit. Um, but, so we lost this game. But before that game, we moved all the way up to three in the power, rank- in the power rankings. Because, and I would say that's justified. Because I do feel like we have turned... Um, a tide, uh, this season, and it was it was a big win to come back and beat Vancouver in Vancouver, who have been very good at home. So, where do you expect? Like, how good are the Sounders right now? I'll say that it's unfortunate that the Seattle Sounders are finding their stride immediately before League's Cup. Um. Because who even knows what happens to your form when you have a tournament like this that we've never seen before? Um, I think it'll be good for them for success in that tournament. But if the MLS season were just to continue like it normally would, uh, Seattle would probably continue climbing. Um, and then Morris and Roldan would come back and then they would get even better. Um, I think anyone can come out of the West at this stage uh, because like RSL is on the rise. LAFC is LAFC. St. Louis has been awesome. Um, Seattle's great. I think there's a bunch of teams that can come out of the West and anybody can, get, can beat anybody out there. And then, so, so I think Seattle could absolutely go lose to Cincinnati in the MLS cup final. I think. Thanks for that. Um, I think also we have to remember, uh, the fact that we're getting, I I think a big help will be, again, getting Christian and Morris back. They play better with the Sounders because they are actually loved here in Seattle. Um, I do think when players are happy. Is that happy the issue with the feeling, national team? I do, th- I do think it is harder to play for a team when you're getting so much hate. So I do, I I do, I do like players are going to play better if they're happier. Um, And I hope that Christian comes back for this game on the weekend against Dallas. And I, 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 he's a competitor. I I mean, he's not going to be taking a penalty on our team. Yeah, um, that's for that's for sure. That was the first yeah, time he no, took, no wonder that, he won't be taking a penalty for this. <laughs> that was the first time he took a penalty in his entire career. So, in sands, he can bang him. They should have had Matt Turner take one. I think that would have been awesome. That would have been fun. I will say though, I expected Morris to miss his penalty, but he smashed that. That was a great penalty. Morris did not look confident. I was very scared about that one. But, I mean, he's a striker, and his penalty was much, much, much better than Ferreira's again. Uh, but, anyway, oh, with that being said, I think I think Rodon is going to be uh, – he's going to be fired up and wanting to to make up and forget about the, the game midweek. So I'm expecting him to have a huge game against Dallas. I hope he starts. I think he can start. I mean, he has incredible endurance. Um, so um, we'll see if he's able to um, start. And same thing with Morris, since they're just coming up from California. I think there's a good chance that both of them could start uh, on the weekend. Um, and uh, another the, the other change, uh, we didn't, that we didn't find out 
about to after our last show is uh we've seen is currently Stefan Fry is injured, so pretty much our full it will be our full team for this game against Dallas, except for uh Stefan Cleveland, who in the last two games, especially he played absolutely amazing against Vancouver. Um, and, uh, yeah, second Stefan proving that he is a, a very capable MLS goalkeeper, been very happy with him. So not so well, Stefan Fry recovers from a concussion, um, definitely in good hands. Um, all right, let's move on to NYCFC only one game this past week, um, and some news, um, coming with that. Uh, but let's start with Columbus versus NYCFC. Um, Ethan, what were your thoughts on this game? The big NYCFC-related story from this game is that Justin Hack, homegrown player from Brooklyn, New York, scores the first goal by an NYCFC homegrown player in the club's history. And what a goal it is. Literally the last person I would have expected to score a goal like this. Santiago Rodriguez brings the ball down from the sky beautifully, passes it to Justin Hack. And my thought is literally, why did it have to be Justin Hack in this position? And then he absolutely smashes it. Top bins. I go crazy. We were watching the game, visiting my grandma. She was asleep. We woke her up a little bit in our celebration. Um, but it was great. It was a great time. I was not expecting that from Justin Hack. And I still don't think he's a wonderful player. But when he was moved up into the midfield last game after playing at center back, he played a lot better. Um, and that was a great moment. I wish we could have gotten the win from that goal. But alas, we conceded very late on. Um and we tied the game 1-1 with Columbus. Um, but the biggest story in general from this game is the referee's performance. Sergi Boyko, who also refed Seattle, uh, Nashville's game against Philadelphia. Clearly, this guy does not know how to manage a game. And he, 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 he lets games lose control. Um, Cucho got himself sent off in this game. Um that that was that two, was justified. That was justified. The first one was for yeah, dissent and then the second so. one was a high kick. And while like he's going for the ball, like his head comes in his foot comes in contact near Shino's head as he's going to head the ball. So that's a yellow card. If it's Kucho not Cucho, Cucho just loves kicking the ball above his head. He's he's just a big fan of going for the craziest stuff he can do. He's got yeah. to control himself. Like, he's got to know, like, this is why dissent cards matter. Yeah, um, it's a really unnecessary uh, sending off on his part. It's good for me, but... Um, yeah, and then Wilfred Nancy, uh, you know, head coach, and then another coach uh, from the sidelines. They both get sent off. Um. And you can't, it's crazy. You can't never step on the field. Before. You can't step yeah, on the not. field. That's what Nancy does. The other one gets sent off via the VAR for throwing water at the fourth official. Uh, yeah. Which is just, just funny. Crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. That being said, the I will I I will give this referee some props for giving um Barraza a card for time wasting no, early on in the game. Bullshit. I'm sorry. You cannot give a player a time wasting yellow card in the 12th minute, especially when they weren't even wasting that much time. It's the 12th minute. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's time wasting. It's time wasting against the rules, Ethan. Do yes, you time, that time wasting is against the rules. This referee added, it should be given. Not it should really. be this given. Referee, Not really. This this referee added 14 minutes of extra time to a Nashville Philadelphia game that he had lost control of, and later he has to give two red cards and one yellow card to the coaching staff. 
This is not a good referee. This game, this referee yeah. cannot manage games. No, he's trash. You know how bad he was? It's, I mean, I texted yeah. you guys about this, but this moment was was it was pretty funny. An NYCFC player commits a foul, and this was after all the coaches' red cards and stuff like that. And Sergi Boyko pulls out the red card. And immediately, I was watching the game with my brother Gabriel. Immedi- immediately, he and I were like, what? How is that a red card? Like, are, are you serious? And then the ref's looking around. He's not issuing the card to anybody. And it turned out that he fucking lost his yellow card. He had missed place the yellow card and only had the red card with him. He had to go to the sidelines like the fourth official to get a new yellow card so that he could issue the yellow card. How ridiculous is that? You have two cards in your pocket. How do you misplace one of them? This guy was a joke. What is he doing? Yeah. He was so yes. bad. He had lost control of this game so poorly. And I got to say, a lot of the calls were in my favor, but it was such a poorly ref game. It's ridiculous. This guy needs to be suspended or something, especially now that he's done it two games in a row. He's given three. No, wait, hold on. You could say he's given five red cards in the last two games that he's ref. That's ridiculous. Six. Nobody 50, should be six. He's given six. He's given 51 red cards. Oh, you're right. It's 51. six. I forgot about Lovitz. Oh, my God. It's 51 yellow cards and 10 total games ref. That's ridiculous. Nobody should be doing that. It's not the players. <laughs> you know it's not the players. That's ridiculous. Wait, think about yeah. the two teams, Philadelphia and Nashville, and tell me if you would guess that they would get into like a WWE match. Like, do those two teams <laughs> scream like undisciplined? Gary Smith and Phil Curtin. Jim Curtin. He looks like a Phil. Yeah. Like a Phil. yeah. <laughs> these are not these are not managers that that you would like. No, Phil Phil Curtin's not a manager. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, okay. No, it's it's true. It's true. Yeah. True. All that being said, and like Stephanie. Definitely for how long Carranza was was waiting before he got a yellow card for time wasting. That's nothing compared to what we've seen. But I have no problem with referees uh, handing out yellow cards 12 minutes or two minutes into the game. Don't time waste. What about Jordan Just Morris's second the yellow ball last season? For... Walking off for time wasting. Did he get one for for walking off the field for a substitution? No, he like tossed the ball somewhere out of like frustration and gets a second yellow. Gets sent off. Sent off. You rent. You went on a rant. Oh, that was, wasn't season. that Kellen Rowe? Oh, oh yeah, yeah that, that was Kellen Rowe. Was Kellen Rowe. Yeah, that's that your microphone's Kenan. doing the doing the alien thing. Okay, wait, no, no, I'm not saying robot. You sound like Phil Curtin right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Kellen Rowe. I think I, I think I was more complaining about Kellen Rowe. Like he's got to know better because if you kick, like that's a rule. You got to. You're gonna get a yellow card for that. I think I said that at the end. Like, like wow, like it was annoying. Yeah. It's, it's like you leave the referee no chance. Uh, but yet we, if we want to get rid of time wasting, then. This is how you do it. You give the cards really, really early. And while people will be mad at first, they will eventually learn that, yes, this is a rule and the yellow card is going to get given. Um, Let's let's talk about um, NYCFC has finally decided to sign a player uh, yeah. for up top. Ethan, yeah. what did that feel we like? Sign the striker. Algerian man, Munsef Bakrar. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I'm excited. to. He was, he was actually, I, I had a dream last night that he was in. I don't, it's like just a snippet I remember of this dream because I had kind of a wild sleep. Um, I, there was an NYCFC game happening um, and, and he was on the team. And in my head, I was like, oh, awesome. We've got our new striker playing. And that's all I remember from the dream. Um, I'm super excited to have actually signed the striker. I hope he can start this weekend. He probably can't or later today. 
He probably can't because of visas and all that red tape. We'll find out soon enough. I want him to get to start playing as soon as possible, though. Um, he seems like a pretty exciting player, I think. Uh, he comes from the Croatian League. Uh, he seems to move well off the ball and makes nice runs, which we could definitely use. I don't know if he's much of a hold-up play guy, um, but he seems to have a nice shot on him. And look, it's a striker, and he's six foot, which is pretty good. I mean, Tati was like 5'11". So, you know, he's not like a tall striker, but he's got a good height and he seems pretty fast. Uh, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Um, and we're already rumored with uh, another center back after we've traded Tony Alfaro to the L.A. Galaxy for uh, a move that's worth up to like 500K in Tam, I think. Is that a Tam or Gam? I don't remember. Um, but uh, yeah. We're signed. We're we're uh, we're already rumored to be signing this younger center back, and so, uh, I think his name was like Burke Riza or something like that. I forget his name. Um, but I'll be looking forward for that as well. That means Justin Hack won't have to play center back anymore, and that'll be nice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for these signings. I I hope that it's and you're gonna get Sands back. Yeah, getting Sands back. I wonder how much involvement he'll have in this game against Philadelphia. I'd imagine he might be pretty tired after playing 120 minutes twice, you know, consecutively. Um, but he's a pretty hard worker, so we'll we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some minutes. I'm hoping Andre Blake doesn't play, even though he probably will. Um, yeah. Let's get right into predictions now for match day 24. Uh, after this weekend, it is insane that we will only have 10, all of our teams will only have 10 games remaining in the season. So much of the season has already happened. It feels like it just started, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So let's, let's make predictions. So we'll start off with Philadelphia versus NYCFC. Matt, what is your prediction for this game in Philadelphia? Um, I mean, NYCFC are on better form. Philadelphia, even though they just beat Nashville, are on worse form than usual. But I think it would be irresponsible of me to not pick Philadelphia. Um, Yeah, I'm going to pick Philly. Uh, I'm going to pick... Uh, I'm giving NYCFC the win. Um, Whoa. I think uh, I I'm gonna give them some some momentum. Um, they've they've looked better of late, and I think they're gonna be excited. They're gonna be excited with the new striker coming in. Um, and Philadelphia without Carranza. Um, we'll see if we'll see if they have Blake. I mean, if they have Blake, it's a whole. It will be. Yeah. Very different because Bendik is not good. Joe Bendik, he is not a good keeper. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm going to give NYCFC the win. Um, let's move forward to the Nashville game. Nashville is heading to first in the East, first in the Supporter Shield. Cincinnati, um, who do you expect? How do you expect uh, them to do uh, in Cincy, Ethan? You kind of have to go with the Cincinnati win here. It breaks up my streak of predicting uh, Nashville wins. But Cincinnati are probably the best team in the league. They've got one of the best home records in the league. And Nashville are coming off of two games where they were not so hot. So I, you kind of have to go with the Cincinnati win here. Even though uh, I've been um... – Pissed off this episode. Uh, I'm feeling nice with the prediction, so I'm gonna predict a tie for Nashville here. Um, uh, this is so gonna be a really interesting Barry game. On the road. Yes, this will be. We're a, we're without two I'm, starters, three starters if you count Godoy, which obviously you do. So this will be Gary Ball, no doubt about it. I think the tie is. <laughs> but they still have Nashville. Gary Ball versus the Garys. They That's still true. have Mukhtar and they have Schaffelberg. For whatever reason. And Fafa. 
and Bro- and, and Bunbury Ethan Zubak. and Ethan Willis, Zubak. and they don't have to play Lovitz. So that should help. Oh my god! <laughs> but they don't have Lovitz. That name just like yeah. triggered me. Had, like, I had a I had a physical response to you saying that name. It's just yeah. too close to last night's game or several nights ago. It's game. clenched up. Yes. Uh, Sounders are hosting Dallas after two games on the road um, in Seattle, trying to build on their last win at home against the Dynamo, other the other Texas team. Uh, Ethan, what is your prediction for this one? Seattle win. I think they're a better team than Dallas, and they're usually pretty good at home. I know they're not in the tip-topest shape right now, but I think they can beat Dallas. Yeah, Seattle. Uh, it's at home. That's really the decision maker for me. I think the teams are pretty similar yeah. quality wise. So after this, after these games, after the games later today, uh, there will be a break for from the prediction game as uh, we we are not not predicting, not counting League's Cup games as. All of our teams will have different numbers of League Cup games with obviously the Sounders playing the most um, and NYC playing the least. Uh, score is heating up. Uh, I'm still I'm in the lead with 21. Ethan has 20. Matt has 18. Um, so moving forward towards... I'm coming for you, Nat. Yeah, uh, keep believing it. Moving forward to it next week. <laughs> uh next next Wednesday we have the All-Star game. We which we've talked about. We've talked that uh uh most we were thinking that uh Arsenal was uh probably going to take this one, but we will see uh what happens with that. Uh, that's on Wednesday in the school skill shootout before then. And then we get into the first ever League's Cup. Um, for the group stage, um, there are no if a game if a game is tied, it goes to penalties, and you get uh, both teams get a point, and then the winner gets of the shootout gets one point. And remember, also for the group stage, uh, it is top two teams um, advance out of every group, so you just have to not be absolutely terrible if you basically just can't lose both games if you don't lose both games then you're moving on i'd be scared of saying that if i was seattle that's a strong group yes yes Mm. we i yes uh the sounders have the hardest group out of our teams no no doubt oh Um, yeah between our teams for sure with with it being uh rsl and monterey for us that is a tough group. Um, NYCFC uh, for their group, they have Ooh, America, uh, Columbus Crew, St. Louis. NYCFC yeah. have got Atlas and Toronto, I think. Yes, it's yeah. Atlas. Yeah, so that should be a, a easy group for NYCFC. They should not be getting eliminated to them. Um, obviously, everyone is going to be looking at South Three. Um, though we still don't actually know yet if Miami's coming hasn't been conf- completely confirmed. I think there's a press conference on the 16th, which, um, as I understand it, is pretty. They're like right. looking at like Shakira and stuff to perform at the press conference. So I don't think they're announcing the next all star location wow. like after Columbus. <laughs> Uh, Nashville's group is Colorado and Toluca. So again, Nashville should make it out of this group. They only have to yeah. beat again. You only have to beat one team. Basically, you you only one team doesn't make it, and Colorado is the worst team in the entire league. Um, and Toronto <laughs> is the worst team in the East. So neither of your teams has an excuse to not make it out of the group stage. Um, I agree. With that being said, yeah. um, any any anything you guys want to say about the League's Cup uh, uh, before we wrap up? I'm super excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we would never get to see uh, 
Nicoxa versus Charlotte FC. You know, if we were just working with the with the Concaf Champions League, so that's the type of matchup that true that'll be really interesting to look at. I will say I think the Nashville only are going to win yeah. it all. I Without... will mm-hmm. finish what you're going to say. I think Nashville are going to no. win it all without conceding a goal. That's that's all. There's not wow. more than that. I will say one of the biggest positives for the League's Cup is that with it starting, it means that the Gold Cup is over and the Nations League is <laughs> over, so we don't have to talk about fucking Greg Berhalter or USMNT for a while. <laughs> I am sick of talking about them and I will not be and we will not be talking about them till like next summer. Our next episode will be coming out in two weeks on Saturday, Ju- the July 29th. We want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at WECB Football. Follow us on Instagram at footballislife.wecb. Check out the website uh, at footballislife.net. And until then, football, football is, is life. life. Shout out to